you desire to attend Bible college or seminary, but know that it would be incredibly difficult to uproot your family and move somewhere? Maybe you desire to attend seminary, but you don't want to leave your local congregation. Let me tell you about my seminary, Whitfield Theological Seminary. Whitfield is a conservative, confessional, classical, reformed seminary who wants to come alongside congregations and assist them in raising up a pastor. The training of a minister should be done alongside of a congregation. Whitfield offers online classes so that you can fulfill your calling without having to move your family or abandon your church. Go check them out at www.reformed.info. That is www.reformed.info. Tell them you heard about them on The Daily Brew. We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars, both new and old. There are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith. And even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. Listen up, Daily Brew subscribers and listeners. I want to tell you about our newest partner, Audio Blocks and Video Blocks. They're an incredible resource if you're looking for background footage, background audio. We use them for all our video and audio uh, needs. If you're needing background clips, if you're needing short footage for any video that you're making for your business or your church, or just looking for background noises for putting something together, they have everything you need, a huge selection. You have to go check them out. Go check them out at audioblocks.com or videoblocks.com. Are you looking for something fun to do on these hot summer days? Are you looking for something fun for the whole family? Go check out Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. This has been rated the number one aquarium in the country. If you're looking to waddle with the penguins or sleep with the sharks, this is the place for you. For an up-close view, check out their glass-bottom boat. Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies has something for the whole family. For more information, go to ripleyaquariums.com. You are busy. You are always on the go. But are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us.
This is The Daily Brew. This is The Daily Brew. I am the host, Adam Holland, and I have uh, two dear friends with me. Uh, one is Chris Hurley, and the other one is Adam Bishop. Guys, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank yeah, you, thanks Adam. for having us, though. So the reason I bring them on, this week we want to discuss uh, worship music and uh, just uh, congregational singing and congregational music in general. Both uh, of these men have far more experience uh, than I will ever have or have, have ever had in regards to music. I've written some stuff on music, but uh, Adam has uh, done uh, music, or worship ministry with uh, Dr. Steve Lawson and also uh, Dr. Herschel York uh, in, in Kentucky as well. And then... Um, Chris Hurley has done stuff. He was also involved in Sovereign Grace and Sovereign Grace School and then helped out with several churches as well. So two incredible guys with uh, a lot of knowledge on the topic of music. So uh, thank you, guys. So yep, the to be here. first question, amen, amen. First question I want to discuss with you guys is, um, I know in the early, would you say it was the early 90s, the Worship Wars kind of just took off? What, would you have date that any time period? It's probably earlier than that, a little earlier than that. But yeah, yeah. So, so earlier than that, let's go late eighties, nineties, something around there. In that time period, you have the worship wars, or what came to be known as worship wars, where it was kind of the battle between contemporary music and traditional music, and it was just like a, a fight over: Are we going to do hymns only? Are we going to add modern contemporary music? Uh, the sound of it, do we include drums? And it seems that the focus, uh, I would argue, the focus during that time period was all wrong. And uh, one of the things I think that uh, they got wrong was not necessarily contemporary versus uh, traditional. A lot of churches were splitting over that, but uh, they seemed to be splitting over the style rather than the lyrics of the music. And sadly, in all this division, uh, the words got lost. What do you guys uh, think about that? We'll start off with uh, Adam. What are your thoughts on it, man? Man, it's a symptomatic thing of just the handoff between old and young that we still struggle with in almost every other area of the church today. I mean, it, it, it really is a preference issue more than a content issue. And I, I really feel like most of the worship wars were just manufactured fights that people uh, were, were holding their own preferences above others and were making it a, a matter of spiritual um, maturity when it really wasn't about spiritual maturity it was it was just a preference thing uh, I, I I was in you know several churches of size and then some smaller churches and I don't think that there's been any church that I've been a part of that really struggled with that sort of thing and I always just made it about the content and making much of Jesus and trying to find out where the heart music of the people uh, where that centered, and then trying to trying to meet them where they were, but then to bring them into something deep, and just be really good at lavishing praise on Jesus. And um, uh, you know, in my experience, that's that's always been a great answer. And instead of trying to split the difference or even split services, and I've always tried to do one type of worship service, even in churches that were doing contemporary and traditional and modern or whatever you however you want to break it out categorically, I would always bring it back into one service and do one thing with, you know, even if we had multiple services, just one type of music. Because I wanted our people to grow together. I wanted them to sing things that they were singing together. And um, 
uh, yeah, I, I do think it was a, the wrong focus. It was, a, it was a, there's a selfishness wherever you see uh, a fight brewing over the kind of music you sing uh, stylistically. Um, it's always, I think, a, a selfishness issue that's in your church, and I don't think it's hardly ever spirit-led. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, you know, uh, nothing, nothing that, that Adam shared would I disagree with. I would, I would agree with everything that, that he shared there. Um, you know, and I, I think sadly, um, as Adam shared it, the style becomes this contentious argument um, and it is a distraction to um, why we gather, why the church gathers. Um, you know, as when you first invited me to participate in this, I started thinking, Adam, all right, what, where have I, uh, where have I gleaned so much wealth of, of encouragement of, of what this is to look like? And, and I thought about, you know, first several books I got my hands on um, when I was in seminary, and one of them was Engaging with God by David Peterson. Um, Good book. And, uh, you know, kind of Peterson's the, the, the premise with, with the whole book is, is he writes, um, you know, we as worshipers engage with God on his terms, the way that, the way that he proposes and in the ways that he alone makes possible. Um, and he goes on to say, um, and preaching Christ is a key to that engagement. And, and, and I think we could interpret that for this question. Singing of Christ and singing of the gospel is the key to that engagement with God. And so, um, what is what happens so often um, in those worship wars is, is that that was not the key. Um, the, the focus of Christ and the gospel, um, the gospel that that reconciles us with God, wasn't being wasn't being sung of most often, um, or at least focused focused on. Um, you know, we've all been guilty of of singing the words, true, rich theological words. Um, and yet, just going through an act of of, of singing it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, and and sadly, that's uh, when we when we take the focus off off of Christ and the, the truth of the gospel, uh, it just leads to all kind of fractions and disagreements and, and selfishness. Uh, you know, reminding my kids. Uh, earlier tonight, Philippians 2.4, look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. And mm-hmm. you just can't get around that. That, that, that is uh, everywhere um, throughout scriptures that, um, first of all, we're fixing our eyes on Christ, and then it's the greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And you know the, the, what we saw during the worship wars was not that. It was... Uh, it was a, a worship of uh, our own desires. Yeah. So. Mm. Amen. I think it's truly ironic that you didn't really experience, or you don't really see this issue, or this issue didn't really take place like in any other country besides uh, like the West, like in, in the United mm-hmm. States. Like we don't have like worship wars over contemporary traditional and like African countries, or it's, it's kind of just strange that it only really impacted. America, uh, or maybe even just first world areas. Uh, I think that's kind of interesting and shocking all at the same time. But I think at the heart, exactly what both you guys are talking about is, 
it's placing our desires, desires as something as ultimate rather than making Christ ultimate because in the end, um, culture is going to change. Music is going to change and evolve over time. It's going to sound different. But the, the richness, like the, the songs that we sing now sound different even though you may be singing hymns from several hundred years ago. It may sound a little different with addition of instruments and uh, maybe distortion or whatever it may be. Um, but in the end, uh, it's still proclaiming the same Christ uh, in a different culture, in a different context. So, amen. Both both of those comments are absolutely phenomenal. Um, yeah, I want to question I wanna... on that. This is good. Okay. Well, just just telling the test because I, I started thinking about this this way. Uh, I think where we've come at times more in current current times is maybe a little flipping of of that where um, and, and here's what I'm saying with that. Um, you know, if 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 you if either of you guys haven't personally been a part of a church like this, you've known somebody who has, who maybe, um, you know, the type of thinking where music and the style of music um, becomes an aid to worship rather than an act of worship where we are worshiping the Lord, but but the music itself and the style is an aid to worship that that, that leads to comments like, "Oh, Jesus was so present in our in our gathering today." Um, or, or even worse, um, you know, I've, I've been a part of, of, of a church where, you know, I've had leaders come up and say, we almost got there today. Um, if only we could have pressed <laughs> in more. Um, and, uh, you know, and that, hadn't, that hasn't taken place in any of my, my Sovereign Grace churches, but in years past, um, you, you kind of had that thinking where it was like, where there was this emphasis on the style, um, and yes, the words were important, but there was this emphasis in the style and the, and the melodic movement, and and you 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 really gave music this, whether they thought it through enough or not, they were trying to empower the music and uh, as a means to which we reached God. Um, so, Adam, I don't know if you've ever, if either Adam, if you guys have ever experienced that or thought about that way, but but. That came to mind as I read this question tonight as well. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think that people, I mean, you know, music is intensely emotional. There's a reason why we remember music so well. There's a reason why there's a soundtrack to our life, you know. Um, and music connects with us on such a deep level. I mean, scripturally, it's that way. When David plays for Saul, it's this holistic healing that he goes through. And um you know, the, that really is the connection. And I think sometimes people put the um, the novelty of, um, you know, past and remembrance and nostalgia along with certain songs that they've heard and certain experiences that they've had in the Christian life or in their walk with the Lord or the church or, you know, and they're disconnecting that from a rich theology of who Jesus is and what the church is and what worship gathering means. And so they're looking toward that emotional connection to the worship experience. And I think when you talk about first world stuff, Adam, and I had never really considered the idea that worship wars were only in first world or in, you know, the U S and, um, I, I think about all the places I've been just on mission, uh, in context where we are doing different styles of music. And, um, I don't, I just don't know what that looks like worldwide, but, uh, I know that, in the U.S., especially, we're we're a Spotify culture, and we we can get anything we want, 
anytime we want it. And that does breed a a real sense of preference. And not only does it breed the desire for preference, but it but it really gives you your preference. Now you can have it your way most all the time. And I'm in a culture now where, you know, I'm, I've moved into the Atlanta area, and um, you can get anything you want in Atlanta. And it's all within driving distance. Um, and you talk about, you know, world, world-renowned preachers as well as great bands and, you know, uh, the heartbeat sometimes of what people consider to be Christian music and Christian worship is right here in our area. So, I mean, people think about that stuff when, they, when they're attending worship. And I, I'm okay with people connecting with a certain type of music. I'm okay with liking a certain yep. style more than another style. Like, it's, it, that's not the problem for me. The problem for me is when people cannot connect the truth about God that they're singing, and they are singing not only to God but to one another. And they're not making it a communal exercise where they're remembering God's works, talking about who God is, singing about doctrine, um, you know, encouraging one another, helping one another, lamenting together. You know, there's a lot that goes into why we sing and worship, more than we can get into here. But it is, it, it comes back down to that whole idea of preference and the experience and what, what they're trying to connect to. All those things are intricate, but it's really simple if you bring it back to the Bible and just say, hey, look, what are we here to do? Yep. And I, it, you know, it, it's hard to explain sometimes to people and, and get them to that place, but it's, it's so important. I think it's really, piggybacking on that, I think it's really interesting that you have some, like, like more, I think even nowadays, modern, a lot of traditionalists with like maybe hymns only or uh, churches that will have maybe a hymnal and a piano, um, and a lot of them will look at contemporary music and they'll see it as, hey, that's a rock concert. And then you'll have uh, people at a rock concert type more, more of a, a lot more instruments. We'll word it that way. Uh, churches with more instruments will look at the traditional back. Oh, that's dead. And both. Both sides are really seeing both forms of worship as dead. But in my opinion, and they'll both see they see both sides as lifeless or something lacking the spirit. Um, you know, because they're singing from a hymnal, therefore it's lacking the spirit. It seems dead. Or because um, there's an electric guitar player up there with drums, therefore it's lacking the spirit. It's a concert. It's not really worship. And I think all too often um, there, there's almost a tendency where we're getting to the point where we're idolizing and lifting up the instruments and the music rather than looking at what they're pointing to and what they're there for to help yep. us lead us into worship. And it's almost like we're worshiping, and then there's a tendency, too, to piggyback on that even, um, a tendency to worship the emotion, um, you know, like just like uh, Chris was saying earlier, is, uh, you know, we almost got close to the Lord there today or almost reached some type of elevation point where we start worshiping the emotion and forget the fact that, the hope of the new covenant, the promise of the new covenant is mm-hmm. that God says he's going to be with us always. Emmanuel is with us always. So when the church is gathering, you know, no matter how good or how bad your music is, we're elevating and pointing up and, and lifting up the name of Christ who's promised to be with us always. It's uh, He's no longer like in the Old Testament where the Spirit would come upon people and leave. He's now indwelling the hearts of believers, and we have the promise that he is with us always. Mm-hmm. So... With both of you guys, another question I wanted to, to pick up on, uh, with both of you guys having a history uh, in music, 
Um, I know one of the big problems you have, whether it be large church, big band, uh, small band, piano, uh, hymnals, whatever it may be, it seems like everyone has this problem. Is uh, One of the big problems we have is how do you get the congregation to um, be focused on singing? How do we... Um, how do we elevate, or how do we? I'm trying to think of the word there. He's elevate already multiple times this time. How do we uh, promote uh, congregational singing in the life of the church? Yeah, yeah I, th- I think um, practically, number one answer for me is put your songs in a singable key. Um, mm. Make make the songs singable, uh, especially for the men. I mean. Be, our women are most often already singing, um, but if the if the key is out of range for for the guys, they're not going to sing. But if you get the if you get the guys singing, the kids are going to be singing. The little boys are going to be looking up at dad, and they're going to be saying, "Oh, dad's singing. All right, I can sing too." Um, put the songs into a singable key, um, and then kind of with that, I think. Make sure you're you're selecting songs that are singable. I mean, you know, a hundred years ago, you know, people could sight read. <laughs> Those days are gone. Um, you know, uh, the majority That's a whole other of our, <laughs> yeah, the majority of our church members and the church attendees they can't sight read. Um, that doesn't mean don't sing from a hymnal, but it does mean. You know, we we have to take that into consideration. I think as we're picking songs, as we're praying through songs, as we're asking the Lord, you know, what are you wanting? What truths are you wanting this local congregation to be reminded of this week? Um, as we gather to sing and remember to declare the mercies and the grace of God in Christ, what truths are we wanting to you know to be to remind ourselves of and to proclaim? Um, so as we're praying about that um, and, and seeking the Lord's wisdom, I, I think then practically applying that, I think um, we can encourage that by um, making the song singable for our folks. That's great advice, and singability is, I mean, it really is a key. Um, I, I've never been the senior pastor of any church, never been the preaching pastor. People have called me a worship leader, but it, it you know, it, it really is. I really see my role as a pastor. Yep. Um, I was called into pastoral ministry, and uh, I preferred to be called you know, a pastor at, at any church I was at. And that that if I was leading songs, that was part of what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really wanted to infuse in our people a love for theology, a love for Jesus that was rooted in Scripture, a passion for worship that was coming out of the Psalms, that was coming out of the, the pages of what, what God has revealed to us and um, remembering the work of Christ, remembering the power of God in our lives, remembering that he's uh, going before us. And um, we've just got such a rich, um, uh, you know, there's the, can- the canon of, of church music is just exploded. I mean, we, we just got access to so much stuff. And I don't think people it's not like it used to be where you had, you know, I grew up in a church that sang out of the hymnal. Uh, we sang out of, we were Southern Baptist church. We sang out of the, the Baptist hymnal and we maybe had 30 hymns throughout my real, my lifetime that we really yeah. knew. Um, and now it, it's just not that way. People know 
so much music now. And finding the, I mean, I've been to worship services just recently in uh, areas where there's very few Christians in church planning, like out in Colorado, where I didn't know any of the songs that were sung on a Sunday morning, which made it hard for me to sing. But in their context, they, they knew those songs. Um, yep. So, yeah, singability is great. Key is great. But I, I, what I really try to do, and I, I'm a tenor voice, and so I like to sing in a tenor range. Um, and it just, I have found that I really get good response from people when they know the music, you know, they've been taught it, and we've sung it, and it's familiar. Yeah. And it's married to a deep doxology of love for Jesus delight in what he's done that they want to i mean they want to just sing it out as loud as they can that that, and i think that's the job of the pastoral staff in total that it really is matters deepening their people to not love the style of the music and not love the feeling they get in worship but to love the content of proclamation of truth that we do together in corporate singing so, I mean, make it easy on them. That's the practical part. But, man, give them something to sing about, you know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another another thing, piggybacking on what, kind of what you said, Adam, as well, um, something we did, whenever I was, uh, so I started off with, with church playing. It started off being me preaching and doing music. So it's like, the worship leader's going to pray now. And then I'm like, now the pastor's going to pray. I put my guitar down, move over to the pulpit. Now I'm praying. Um, so, so kind of doing it all early on and um, one of the things I was trying to do and I thought was helpful at the time was um, trying to bring in new songs each week and over time I realized that I'm really not helping my people sing congregation I'm not really helping them sing because if my hymn book is so eclectic that they never really get to sing songs over again and never get to hear them again and they're really not going to have those songs they can belt out that they love, they love hearing, that they love, um, look forward to hearing each week. So one of the things um, we do now is basically just we just reduced our um, our choices of songs. Obviously, we're going to add new songs every so often, take away songs and stuff like that. But we try to keep like a, a core set of songs that people do know. Um, and it really has. It's really helped out uh, incredibly a lot um, because people are knowing the songs. They're starting to sing them. They're rich songs. Uh, theologically, so not trying to have as many as possible and new ones every single week, but get some that people know and make that the, the, cons- the consistent diet of, of what they're singing each week. Yeah, yeah. I think practically as well, just two other uh, things that I've seen so helpful over the years is when you're adding in new songs, just um, keep it keep it to one a week. Um, you know, as a as a music guy, as a worship guy. You know, there's there's times when I'm like, man, I love both of these two songs, and these are great, and I can't wait to introduce them. Again, practically, um, I'm not saying never do it, but I think practically, as a general rule, you don't want to do that. You you want to, again, you want to be um, serving serving your local church with a diet that that, that they know, um, and then with that. Um, uh, I was also a part of a church for for a while where they did a hymn of the month. And so that whole month long, every time they gathered, that song was sung. And, man, the way um, people learned the song from the oldest to the youngest kiddos, um, 
they uh, they 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 learned it, and uh, and then just lastly, um, uh, a means that I've used before is to um, you know have that set list, put it on you know. When I first started doing it, it was back when Groove Shark was around. I don't even think they're still around anymore. But get the music out to the congregation, you know, by Thursday, Friday, um, mm-hmm. and just blast it out. Hey, here's the songs we're going to be singing this Sunday. And, mm-hmm. you know, and for me as a parent, to have that, I'd have that playing in my house so that my kids could be familiarized, familiar with it. And uh, it helped them come into church ready. Oh, I know this song. Yeah, I can sing. Um, and so just those are some other practical tools that, that I've, I've been really encouraged by over the years. I, I will say this just as a, I, I was first a singer before I became a leader of singers. And I, I, I see a lot of worship pastors and guys that are leading bands and, and congregational singing that sometimes don't think enough about the performance side of things, and I say that with almost a, an apology, because I know what that what kind of feelings that, that elicits. But I mean, I was with Herschel York for 11 years, and uh, at Buck Run Baptist in Frankfurt, and um, I, I just really learned a lot about communicating from watching him preach. And he taught me a lot about being a worship leader, um, just by talking to me about communication. And a lot of the time, I think one of the lost arts of of people that are on platform leading songs is that just like the preacher is trying to be a, the best communicator he can be, to capture the attention of people and to make them tune into what he is saying, I think the, the, the guy that's leading the song needs to likewise hone his craft and be a good leader to, to, cra- to, to be able to grab the attention of people in a song and lead them to sing it, to show them that it's okay to open their mouth and make a loud noise, um, and to really engage in that part of worship. They're sitting through so much of the worship service. Um, and this is the part where we're like, hey, everybody stand up, and everybody proclaim together. And if you're not seasoned as a worship pastor, or you're unengaged, um, or you're boring on the platform or you're, you know, and I'm not saying you have to be flamboyant. I don't like that either, but I am saying you need to be a good communicator. And there's a lot that we can learn as, as, as song leaders uh, from good preachers and good communicators that, that translates really well onto a, a platform where you're taking, you know, sometimes 15, 16 rows back and you're grabbing the guy that's on the back row and you're making him feel like he's part of that and say, stand up and join us and do this with us. And uh, that's a really important part of getting people to sing congregationally. And it's, we probably don't talk about it as much because it's hard to separate out, you know, the word performance from that uh, in a healthy way. Um, and it's nuanced, but it should be talked about. Well, whether you call it performance or just preparedness even, I mean, you know, yeah. for me, right. when I would lead, look, when I had the opportunity to preach, I'm a, I'm a transcript guy. I mean, it's it's written out, and mm-hmm. I'm praying the whole time, Spirit, move and take and shape and move. But I'm I'm preparing beforehand, and I'm writing this stuff out. It was the same way as I led, you know, our times of of, of worship through song, the transitions, mm-hmm. the prayers, mm-hmm. the exhortations. Right. They were written out because I wanted 
there to be this flow of the gospel. I wanted um, I wanted the gospel to be clear. I wanted I wanted Christ to be exalted, and and left to myself, I would mumble through. You know, yeah. I would have awkward pauses. But be prepared. Yeah. Take take time to sit before the Lord and think through the transitions. Um, because right. it, it does, it affects in the same way that you would, you, it would throw people off if the preacher has these awkward pauses and transitions as he's going from point to point. Um, or the same to thing happens. Go, wait, 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 let me just start that over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's, let's restart. <laughs> yeah, so just, just preparedness, um, serves, serves our people so, so well. And know yourself it, as a, as a, as a song leader, as a worship leader. Know what you're good at and what you're not good at and really prepare those areas that you're not good at so you minimize the, the chance that those things aren't going to go wrong. I mean, if you're, and I would say this, if any young worship pastors are listening to this, don't take for granted what Chris just said. Prepare. I mean, write out what you're going to say because in the heat of the moment, you could say something heretical and not mean it. <laughs> just in your yep, deal to communicate, and you're just tripping over words, and then you end up saying something that's just crazy. And you don't believe that, but it's something that came out of your mouth in front of a whole bunch of people that you're leading in worship. And, <laughs> that's right. Um, and it's on YouTube you know, now. You, so. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you just yeah, tweet it out, brother. <laughs> you can't take that one back. <laughs> Well, guys, it has been an incredible joy to have you both on the show. Um, lots of helpful information from you guys. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you, Adam. Yep, Adam, thanks so much for having us.